Welcome to Finally Alive Radio with Pastoral Counselor Gary Harris. To find out more, please go to finallyaliveradio.com. All right, so let's turn to Acts chapter 7. Just continuing on with the book here. So Acts 7, we've uh, we've already seen a lot of action. I mean, starting chapter 1 on, man, it's it's been something going on every every chapter. And we get to chapter 5 with Ananias and Sapphira, bam, like that's like your first death, you know, a couple dies because of the, the high-handed sin that we talked about. Uh, Acts 6, well, let's see here, Acts 6, just to look over it. We see some interesting things. We see how the church is starting to develop. It's starting to grow. We're starting to see widows. The widows are coming in now, right? And remember the, the backstory to that is widows and children, they, they, they didn't get anything. They were like one, one of the lower classes, if not the lowest classes. Not much love for them. So that being the case, this was a common issue with widows. We already talked about this, but, but the church embraces them, takes care of them. And what happens is, if you will, the main preachers, the apostles, they say, we're not going to go and you know, pass out the food and stuff. You know, We have to stick to... You know, preaching the word. So that, that was the gig. That's what they had to do. But they have their deacons, their helpers now, to do all that. Anyway, fast forward. Then we get a, a bunch of these people, the, the Hellenized Jews. And then we get a man called Stephen. So that's where we are. Stephen shows up. This guy has, says a couple of interesting things about him. Full of the Holy Spirit, right? All these really great things about him. Pumps the guy up, right? Stephen, right? So that's like the one of the main guys here in, in chapter 6. And then we have signs and wonders happening through Stephen, which is... An interesting thing because so far you only see Jesus and then we only see the apostles, the disciples doing signs and wonders. And then bam, you have Stephen. He's not one of the 12. He's not Jesus. But bam, you see him doing it. So there's something to that, right? There's a reason why Luke is talking about this guy. He's special for the moment at least. So anyway, so we fast forward. Let's get to finally, uh, we'll just go to 613 uh, really quick and then we'll go on to chapter 7 there. 13 says, and they set up false witnesses who said this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And again, the idea is if if the guy is like face of an angel, remember we said it's not like he he looks cute. Uh, It's the idea that it's like the idea of shining. And we talked about shining. There's there's always a connection to like the, the idea of deity. In this case, God. All right. So... There's always this weird connection. I hope you guys are okay with that. We're just flying through this stuff because we've already talked about it. So now, Acts chapter 7, verse 1. And this is an interesting chapter. Really quick, let me kind of quick comment on this. I'll just kind of tell you right off the bat what happens, but this is the weird part. It ends off with Stephen dying. Okay, if you guys know the story. Stephen dies. This is the guy we've been pumping up for the last chapter. And then he dies at the end. But what's crazy is how he, or, or how it gets what he says that gets him to die. And when you read this chapter, you're like, oh my gosh, what a boring chapter. Because the problem is, you're hearing the same story. It's like, oh my gosh, like, do, you really, do we really have to go through all this? But that's what I want to concentrate on today. Because the question today is, why? Why is he saying all these things? And why is it that bad that they kill the guy? All right, so that's what we want to look at in Acts uh, 7. So, okay, that said, verse 1 says, and the high priest said, are these things so? Remember, they, they call him on the, on the carpet, if you will. And uh, they're asking him, uh, are these things so? And here's uh, verse 2, and Stephen said, brothers and fathers, hear me. So notice already what he starts off with. Brothers and fathers. Hey, guys, like we're family. Okay, notice there's some interesting directions he takes this stuff. Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory, 
appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. So where does he go? What's the first thing he brings up? Brothers, fathers, let's start at the beginning. Abraham. Again, to me, again, Western thinker, it's like, oh my goodness. Are you really going to give me a history lesson right now? But that's not the point. All right, so let, let's back up again. Stephen, is he a Jew? Yeah, but he's got a Greek name. That's the weird part. So notice what he's going to do. He's actually going to build a case saying, I know what you know. So already kind of keep that in the back of your mind. Abraham went when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. So who's he starting off with? Abraham. He's starting off at the top, right? Father Abraham is where you start. And said to him, go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the uh, Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. Again, to us, it's like, yeah, I know the story. Thanks, Genesis 12, whatever, all that. I know, I know. Why is he saying this? I want you to notice he starts from the top, from Abraham. Everyone know when he says Abraham, who he's talking about. Absolutely. He's talking to Hebrew, to Israelites. But notice details. That's important because it's one thing to say, oh yeah, I've heard of the Abraham guy. No, no, no. It's one thing to say I know him. It's another thing to say Abraham and then the details and then the Chaldean and then Haran and then uh, all these different places. And then God came to him. Watch. Verse 4, Then he went out to the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. He knows details, guys. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. So do you see a little quick little uh, roundabout way to connect it to you guys of this day? All right. Then he, uh, verse five, yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length, but promised to give, give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. What did he just do? Again, see, it's like, oh my gosh, it's history again. No, listen to what he's saying. What did he just do already from Abraham? We know the story. There is a certain seed that is coming from Abraham, right? It's not, it's not just the kids. It's not Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They're a part of it, but there's a certain seed. I think even Hebrews talks about it. There's that certain seed. Who is that certain seed? Jesus. Okay, so no, he doesn't say it, but I want you guys to start to see that he's already making a connection from the top. You guys good with that? I haven't lost you yet, have I? Okay, all right. So he's not given a possession. He's not given a land quite yet, but he gets a, a promise through, through offspring, right? But he had no child. Does he know details? Yeah, he does. He's qualifying himself, guys. I want you guys to see that. Verse 6, And God spoke to this effect, that his offspring would be sojourners in a land belonging to others who would enslave them and and, uh, afflict them uh, 400 years. Do you see the details, guys? He's given them details. He doesn't know just just bare-bones stuff. Verse 7, But I will judge the nation that they serve, said God. And after that, they shall come out and worship me in this place. And he gave him... The covenant of of circumcision. Again, more details, right? And why do you bring up the covenant of circumcision? Because that's very important when we talk about Abraham. But he's bringing up, look, I know your God. I know Abraham. Because remember, we're brothers. We're brothers and and fathers. We're we're family. Do you see what he's doing? He's making a connection. He's qualifying himself. And then he's sneaking in a a couple pieces in here that's going to cause a death. What's the other thing about the covenant? There's a covenant between basically man and God, right? Abraham and, and God. But there's a certain covenant that that Abraham has, right? There's a promise that he receives. Do you see what he's tying it all to? Because that's the same promise that we receive today, the Abrahamic covenant, right? That we all get that through through Christ. Do you see already that he's already kind of like laying out like the the road here to make it all connect? And he gave him the covenant of circumcision because we all know that, right? And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. The eighth day, like he's not, he, he doesn't miss any detail. 
And Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob of the twelve patriarchs. Don't forget them, okay, because they're definitely a big part of Israel, right? And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph. Why do you think that little detail is thrown in there? What is he leading up to? You guys already know the story. He's leading up to Christ. He's leading up to Jesus. He's starting all the way from the beginning. Because remember like how they were jealous of Joseph? You know, kind of like the issue you guys are having right now with that Jesus guy. Kind of the same idea. It's not the same, but it has a similar kind of uh, flair to it there. But no, notice the, the similarity. Joseph, he's rejected by his brethren. That's kind of interesting. But so is Jesus by his own family, if you will, right? The Israelites. Did God accept Joseph? Yeah, absolutely. Did God accept Jesus? Absolutely. Do you see the little parallels in there? Jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt, but God was with him. Who else is God with? Who's that guy, Emmanuel, God with us? Do you see these little parallels? Verse 10, And rescued him out of all his afflictions, and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. Do you see the detail, the amount of detail he's, he's got? Now there came a famine in verse 11. Let's not forget the famine throughout all Egypt and Canaan, and great affliction, and our fathers could, uh, could find no food. Whose fathers? Our fathers. Do you see what he's doing? Yeah, you guys don't know me. I know my name's Stephen. I'm, I'm a Greek. Or, or, I mean, I have a Greek name, I mean. But it's our father. You see what he's doing? He's, he's trying to tie them together. It's, it's a very uh, it's a smart thing he's doing here. So they couldn't find food, verse 12. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers, our fathers, on their first visit. And on the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. Gosh, he knows all the details. It was the second time. How does he know that? Right, do you see? He's not, he's not missing anything. Verse 14, And Joseph sent and summoned Jacob, his father, and all his uh, kindred. Seventy-five persons in all. Oh my gosh, like, how do you have all these details, guy? He is qualifying himself. Verse uh, 15, And Jacob went down into Egypt, and he died. He and our fathers. And, <laughs> and they were carried back to she- uh, Shechem and laid in the tomb that Abraham had bought for a sum of silver from the sons of Hamor and Shechem. Guys, he even knows about the deal about this plot of land, if you will. Like, that's like pretty intimate stuff. And he knows. Do you see what he's saying? Guys, I'm not different from you guys. I know the same history you know because I'm one of you guys. All right? So don't, don't throw me out. Listen to what I'm saying. That's, do you see where he's going? Verse 17, But as the time of the promise drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt, until there arose over Egypt another king who did not know Joseph. He dealt shrewdly, with our race and our race. Did you guys catch that? Our race and forced our fathers to expose their infants so that they would not be kept alive. At this time, Moses was born and he was beautiful in God's sight. And he was brought up for three months in his father's house. Guys, he knows all these details. Jeez, man. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him, brought him up as her own son. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. Now let's start off with, where does it talk about Moses? He's instructed in all wisdom of the Egyptians. Where does it say that? There is no verse that says that. But there's an assumption here. Well, if you look with Pharaoh, obviously you've got all kinds of wisdom. Do you see? He's not skipping any. He's not skipping anything. Like look at how detailed he hasn't skipped a person yet. Like he's just going through all the details. Oh, and then and then Joseph. Let's not forget him. And then down the line, Moses, right? Oh, that's right. He lived three months with that. And then he's off with Pharaoh. Jeez, man, like you know all the details. And he was mighty in his words and deeds. And, and that's an interesting little line in there. And let me just read this to you in Luke 24, 19. Kind of interesting parallel. It says, And he said to them, What things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, 
a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the law. You find it interesting that they use similar words there? Because how great was Moses? Wow, he was great. He got the law. But down the line, I'm going to tell you about this Jesus guy who can also do mighty, mighty, uh, uh, he's mighty in his words and his deeds. Man, Jesus will top them all. He's building. Do you guys see this? Now, when you just read this, you're like, oh my gosh, I've heard this so many times. Oh my gosh, it's just the history. I can just skip this part. No, but when you kind of take it line by line, it's like, wait, what are you, why are you doing this? Where are you going with this guy? Verse 23, when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, children of Israel, and seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed, oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And all the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, men, you are brothers. Why do you do wrong to each other? Verse 27, but the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, who made you a ruler and judge over us? Notice the details, guys. Notice these details. Verse 28, do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Ooh, he knows all that detail too. He knows the negative stuff. He knows the negative stuff about big bad Moses, all right? Verse 29, at this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Now when 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of fire in a bush. He knows how many kids he has. He knows what happens. He knows Mount Sinai. Those are key things. For the Israelite. You're telling me my history. You're telling me you're like me. Important guys, very important. Verse 31, when Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. And as he drew near to, the, to look, there came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled and did not dare to look. Verse 33, then the Lord said to him, take off the sandals from your feet for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Is that an important piece to mention? Yes. Holy ground is very important. To the Israelite, holy ground is a big deal. Jerusalem is a big deal. He's not skipping any important you know, uh, fact. So even the holy ground is mentioned by Stephen. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, verse 34, and uh, have heard their groaning, and I have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, that's an interesting way of saying it. This Moses, who else said it like that? Who else said like, uh, they didn't say this Moses, they said this Jesus the one you crucified, if you guys remember, like I think it was Acts 2 or 3, it's Peter. He's got a little Peter like kind of flare in there. This, this Jesus that you guys crucified, all right, he, he does a little, uh, a little bit of that in there. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, who made, you, who made you a ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both ruler and a redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs. Another little connection for you there. Who else did wonders and signs so far in the book of Acts? Peter. Yeah, the apostles, basically. Yeah, Peter. And Stephen. He's saying, guys, I'm from the same line. He is making so many connections right now. It's like, guys, how do you not see this? I'm giving you the history, and I'm also showing you. And I'm, I'm, he's getting to this place about Jesus now. But the signs and wonders? Yeah, we just did it. We just heard about him in the last chapter doing signs and wonders because he's what? He's full of the Holy Spirit. Same thing, guys. How they say it, cut from the same cloth kind of idea, you know? This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. Verse 37, this is, this is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. Do you see the little connection from Abraham, that seed from Abraham that we know about? And then now we have someone from our, 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 brethren, our brethren. All right, that was uh, Acts 7-5. But 
Someone from our brethren, okay? God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the, now he's mentioning this because down, I mean, yeah, were there prophets? Of course there were. But down the line, there's, there's going to be the greatest. And he's not a prophet, obviously. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai. And with our fathers, he received living oracles to give to us. Who can miss that part, right? The laws, right? Verse 39, our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside. And in their hearts, they turned to Egypt. Why do you mention that part? Guys, I'm giving you guys a history is what he's saying. I'm going to give you all your history. I know the history. I'm one of you guys. But let's not forget this negative part too. Because that's that's what's going to help. Uh, well, that's what's going to get him killed right now. Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside. And in their hearts, they turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make for us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who led us out of from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days and offered a sacrifice to the idol and were rejoicing in the works of their hands. But God turned away and gave them over to worship the host of heaven. Wow, it went, that kind of took like an ugly turn there. He's building up to what he's about to just unleash on them in, in just a few more verses here. But look at what he did. Because if he started off with the end, like the whole Jesus part, it would have gotten nowhere. But he goes all the way back. Guys, I'm not full of it is what he's saying. I'm one of you guys. And let me prove it to you. Let me give you the whole history. Because to us, it's like, oh my gosh, I already got a headache, right? I've heard this a thousand times since I was a kid, right? To them, it's like, oh, wait, you're not a stranger. Like, you know what's up. That's the way we would say it today. You know. And you know some intimate details. You know a lot of details, actually. Probably the, the details that only an Israelite, Israelite would know. Like any other, anyone from the outside probably wouldn't know all this kind of detail. Or less likely, at least. And then, here we go. But God turned away and gave them over to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of prophets. And here's where it gets a little crazy. Let me, let's kind of back up for a sec. God turned away and gave them over to worship the host of heaven. The idea, again, is we have the history. We have the history over and over. What, what happens? What do they do? Well, we have the calf situation, right? And <laughs> what do they do? Yep, ditch God. Yeah, and we, now we have a golden calf. What do they do down the line? Yeah, that's right. Ditch God and, and worship all the other gods, right? Over and over and over and over until God finally divorces them. I mean, it's, it's just there all, all over the place, right? So what does he do? He gave them over to worship the hosts of heaven, as it is written in the book of prophets. And here we go. Does, did you bring to me slain beasts and sacrifices during the 40 years in the wilderness O house of Israel. Now he's quoting Amos here. And in fact, let's turn there, but keep your finger here. And I want you guys to do kind of a compare and contrast here. Amos chapter 5, verse 25. And there's, there's going to be kind of like a side note. That's kind of weird. Um, and, and we'll talk about that. But um, in the big picture, it, does, it doesn't really matter because the point is still the same. But Amos 5, 25. Once you find it, let's go back to Acts. Let me just read uh, like two or three verses here and then we'll come back. So I'm going to read the Acts 7, 42 version. So it says, did you bring... To me, slain beasts and sacrifices during the 40 years in the wilderness, or O house of Israel. And, and the, the tone there, if you can kind of picture this, is it's almost sarcastic. Oh, wow, that's nice. You guys brought me some, some sacrifices. That's sweet. That's, that's cute. Because I say that because look at the next line. You took up the tent of Moloch. It's like, oh, that's nice. You brought me a gift, but you stabbed me in the back. How does that make any sense, guy? You see what he just did there? All right. You took up the tent of Molech and the star of your god, Rephon, the images that you made to worship. Why is he bringing this up? Stephen, come on, man. It was, it was going so nice, right? And then he brings this up. And I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Now, let, let's look at the, um, the Amos version really quick. 
I don't want to dwell on this, but I, I want you guys to see that there are some interesting differences. Okay, Amos 5.25. Okay, so did you bring to me sacrifices? So Amos 5.25 says, Did you bring to me sacrifices and offerings during the 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? So that, that sounds pretty much similar. You shall take up Sikuth, your king. Well, do you remember the other one said tent of Molech? What the heck happened there? That's a weird one. And then Kiyun, your star god. Bless you. Your images that you made for yourselves. That's kind of weird. So this is kind of like a side thing. Uh, I don't think it's a big deal, but it's kind of a cool little like what the heck happened moment. So uh, looking at some of these words, so anyway, just reading into this, it was, it was interesting because the word Sikuth sounds like an, another word. I don't know if you guys can think of it. Uh, Sukoth, the, the, the t- uh, booths, yeah, booths, yeah, or tents, like the idea of tents. So remember back then they didn't have the, um, the vowels. So it's very well could be Sukoth or Sikuth. Sikuth is actually a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a foreign god. Sa- Sakut, I think is the name. So I think it's the Sakut, all right? I don't think it's the tent of Molech. Because this makes better sense from Amos. Amos makes better sense. So I think what happened is when they... It sounds like he's reading the Septuagint in Acts. They probably got that word Sukoth mixed up into like tent. And then if, if you look at it, it's a Sikuth, your king. What, what's the Hebrew for the word king? Melech. It kind of looks like Molech. So a little weird, a little moment there in the Septuagint. That's, that's what it seems like. It happens, you know, it's, it's just life. But the point isn't missed. So regardless of which foreign god it is, that's the idea. It's a foreign god. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want us to like really dwell on, dwell on that. But I do want you guys to see there's like these moments of, wait, what happened? So that's what happens in translations once in a blue moon. All right? And that's, that's your blue moon right there. Here's a cool cool fact. Uh, Kiyun. Do you, do you guys see that in Amos 5, uh, 26? Kiyun, your star god. Kiyun is actually, um, again, because of the uh, the vowel pointings or the, the yeah, the vowels. Kiyun is actually supposed to be the word Kaiwan, Kai or Kaivan. Kaiwan or Kaivan. And what's funny is they actually change up, all right, they change up the vowels on purpose. Sometimes what they'll do is, is in fact, they did it here. And what's the word? They match up the vowels to be like the word Shikuts. Shikuts means shame or abomination. So they actually, what they did is, because the Israelites would have known, Kaiyan is actually Kiyun, or actually it's backwards. Kiyun is actually Kaiyan, Kai, Kaiwan. But the idea is, because we're going to change the, uh, the vowel pointing here, you'll know they're bad guys. We don't like these guys. And like, what? That doesn't make any sense to me. But they would have known. It's their words. So it's a, it's a little weird. I don't know. I don't know if that we're digging too far into, into stuff here. But I don't know. I, I, I get a kick out of stuff like that. It's like, wow, man, they actually change vowel pointings. And sometimes they would change names because they, they would know. Oh, you're talking about that guy. But yeah, we changed the name here because we're not a fan of this guy. In fact... He's, he's an abomination. We, he's shameful. Or he's, you know, he believed in foreign gods, something like that. So you'll, you'll have like these weird moments where they'll do that. So, and that's one right there. Anyway, wow, that's too much uh, info. But verse 27, and I will send you into exile beyond Damascus, says the Lord. Okay, now go back to Acts. Here it says Damascus. And then in Acts 7, am I getting too weird, guys? I hope, I hope you guys are okay. I get a kick out of those weird moments like that. But in Acts 7, 43, so here we have, you took up the tent of Moloch. Okay, we talked about that. The star uh, of your god, Rephon. Okay, that's, again, uh, the images that you made to worship, and I will send you into exile to not Damascus, but Babylon. Stephen, are, are you forgetting your, your details now? I think what he's doing is he's trying to fast forward to the, through the story, because what's worse, Damascus or Babylon? Babylon was the worst part of their history. They're actually lost at this point. The point he's making is, Look, you know, uh, you guys want to say, oh, we, we know we have sacrifices. We want to bring up our, our father Abraham. Oh, Moses, of course, yeah. But who cares if you guys are going to, to offer to foreign gods? 
And that's why we, we were lost. Remember Babylon? Don't forget that part. So now it's getting bad. It's, so do you see it started like nice and sweet? And it's like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You're offending everybody, guy. You're offending everyone right now. See what just happened? Stuff got real, right? And wouldn't they have known? They, they would have caught these little, you know, because, wait, no, we, it was Damascus, not Babylon. Oh, why do you say Babylon? Did he mess up or no? Is he trying to make an emphasis like, yeah, remember we were lost, guys? Why, why again? Oh, that's right. Foreign gods. Remember we were worshiping foreign gods? This is our history, guys. Should, should, I, should I keep going? You know, that's what he's doing. So he's reminding them that we have been unfaithful in the past. Hint, hint. Don't be unfaithful now is what he's saying. Do you see the connection? You see all of that history he gave them is don't be unfaithful now. Verse 44. Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to... T- to make it according to the pattern that he had seen. Our fathers in turn brought, brought it in with Joshua when they disposed uh, the nations possessed. This was the, the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David. Oh, let's not forget David. The guy doesn't miss a beat. Who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands as the prophet says. Oh, no, it goes. I'll read it. But do you see where he's going? Let's not put God in a box. Let's not put God in a temple. We've had a very ugly past, Israelites, brethren. Remember we were unfaithful? Do you remember all that? We Remember? Oh, that's right. And we also had covenants. Remember the Abrahamic covenant? Do you guys remember that stuff? Don't forget is what he's saying. And then, of course, then, as the prophet says, verse 49, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will, will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? It's like, dude, you guys are really going to just put me in a box? I don't live in a box. And then look at what he says. Verse 51. You stiff-necked people. Where else have we heard that word? Even, I mean, even in English. Moses and the stiff-necked Israelites in the 40 years, right? Wandering, wandering the, uh, the, the deserts. Why were they stiff-necked again? They didn't have faith. They kept losing faith. He's saying, guys, yeah, we're, we're from the same cloth, but you guys are doing the exact same thing those ancient Israelites were doing back then. You stiff-necked people. This makes it a lot easier to see why he got, he got killed, right? You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears. Where'd that come from? What does that even mean? Now, they know un- uncirc- uh, or circumcision, right? They understand that. But uncircumcised in heart and ears. I think he's using this as an idiom. Because if you're, you're, if you're uncircumcised, what are you? You're not one of us. See what he just did? It's even kind of like the idea of like, you're, you're like unfaithful. Like you don't even believe in God, obviously. Or you're, or you're not one of him. Or you're, one, you're not one of his. And it's even worse. You have uncircumcised uh, hearts and ears. How do you circumcise the heart and the ear? You're just faithless. That's what he's saying. And if you're faithless, guess what you are? You're not one of his. Oh man, stuff got real, real, real deep right now. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Jeez, man. Talk about going for the jugular, huh? Now, if that's not enough, as your fathers did, so do you. Oh, dude, that's, that's like the worst your mama comeback ever. <laughs> Straight to your fathers. Your fathers were no different than you guys. You faithless, resisting the Holy Spirit, fighting words. I love this. I, I love kind of going verse by verse because we see they're not, they're not like pansies. They're not softies. Jesus wasn't a softie. All right. Neither was Stephen. And that's right. Uh, how many times do we read now? He's full of the Holy Spirit at least like two or three times. Who is leading him? Spirit of God. Yeah, the Spirit of God isn't, isn't weak. Yeah, the Spirit of God isn't a pansy either. There are moments that are, that are necessary like this. There are moments when it needs to be ugly like this, unfortunately. Especially back then. There are moments when God will give you guys words. 
and it's not going to be nice. It'll probably, it might, it might be very similar to this. Hopefully not this bad. Jeez, this is like straight for the jugular. What if God gives you a word like this to give to someone? That's scary, man. But if you're full of the Holy Spirit, then you walk in that. Let him give you the words. So in case you guys forgot, let me start from the top of verse 51. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. Do you see the crescendo of all this? I'll give you guys the history. I know the history. I know it. That's what he's saying. But I also know the history that you guys always persecuted the prophets. And you're doing the same thing now, guys. Oof. Oof. Ouch. Verse 53. Who, uh, you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Jeez. Verse 54. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged. And they ground their teeth at him. Now do you know why? <laughs> but he, once again, what does it say? Full of the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. What does that mean? The Son of Man. He says this out loud. The Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Where, what's the right hand again? What is like a, what's, the, um, what's the idea of being on the right hand? Power, authority. Who is this? The Son of Man. Oh, he sees it and he's telling him, I see it. Position of what? Power. Complete power. And why complete power? Because he's at the right hand of who? Of Caesar? Of a king? No, of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. Now think about it. I mean, you guys know, you know some of the stories, right? Why, why would someone get stoned? Adultery, you know, stuff like that, right? I mean, you get stoned, right? Cer certain sins. Well, what's his sin? Blasphemy. Blasphemy, man. He... Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost. Imagine, they reject this guy and kill him for blasphemy. Did he blaspheme? No, in fact, the opposite. He actually spoke pure truth because it was from the Spirit of God. Well, you know, hey, welcome to Christianity, guys. Sometimes you're going to speak truth and, and they're going to think you're a blasphemer and a heretic, whatever, I don't know. You're going to run into this. This is totally side side note, but you will run into this. You will be hated for your ideas by your own brethren. That's just part of life. Hey, and you know what? Get used to it. Just the way it is. Oh, try try going to, to, to talk to you know different denominations. Oh man, you can make some enemies real fast. I'm not saying you should go do that, you know, but you can make some enemies real, real fast. You know, because I, I can almost like, I, I picture and I've, and I've gone through this, like the first five minutes, oh my gosh, oh, you're a believer. That's so cool. The minute we start to talk about details, uh-oh, wow, it gets crazy. <laughs> Or a Baptist or something, you know, <laughs> Baptist and like, let's talk like uh, speaking in tongues and, <laughs> and uh, miracles today. How about that? You know, so, some don't believe that you can, uh, miracles still happen today or laying on of hands. They don't, some, some don't believe that. Man, you, you, you'll, you'll make some enemies sometimes, man. So you will have to be careful with where they are. Again, unless God tells you, if the Spirit tells you to, to say something, you say it. But, um, but then there's moments like this. God can do that. And he did it here. Did God know, really think about it. Did God know that Stephen was going to get stoned? Of course he did. He's God. Now here, here's the million dollar question that, it, you know, I'm going to say more of the shallow ended people would ask. Why would God allow this to happen? Oh my gosh. What kind of God allows, you know, bad things to happen? Well, I, I think it depends on, on perspective. Is it really bad? And who says it's bad? You? Me? Did God say it's bad? Apparently not. God allowed it. My point is this. I mean, the next chapters as we go, in fact, let's just keep reading and I'll, I'll answer what I'm saying here. In fact, it says it right here. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses lay down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And you guys know the story of Saul. It's Paul. 
this is the guy who makes, I mean, the, the biggest difference, right? And he's like the smartest guy. It's like the perfect guy. And it comes right at his feet. Coincidence? It took a death to get Saul involved somehow here to make this, the gospel spread the way it did, like fire. It, re, it, it required death. Sometimes it's like that. So here's the question. Is all death really bad? Apparently not. Now, I'm not going and saying, let's go start a death cult, okay? I'm not saying that. I'm not looking forward to death. I'm not saying that, okay? I'm not looking forward to death. But we, understanding God, must begin to uh, accept this. We have to accept that, you know, stuff is going to happen that's not pleasurable or nice. It's not going to be my best life now. I'm not going to have everything I want in this life. Because if you want everything you want in this life, all the good stuff, good luck. Good luck, because you may not get the next life. Or, well, you'll get the next life, but not the one I'm thinking of. It can't always be about good times and happy moments and I have money or I have, a, you know, whatever. No. Sometimes negative things have to happen for the glory of God. Because here's, okay, here's a better question. Are you, as a believer, are you in it for the bigger picture, the long haul, eternity? Or are we in it for the moment? Because if we're talking about your best life now, that sounds like you're in it for the moment. We, as believers, we're not in it for the moment. We're in it for the big picture. This right here... The Stephen moment is a big picture moment. You have to, we as believers must look at this as a big, like a big picture eternity moment. Not just, oh, how sad. Oh my gosh. Why would God do that? No, no. God does these things for a reason. So guess what? You know what happens? God does things in your life for a reason. He'll allow some things, good and bad, to happen for a reason. Here's the hard part. Praise God through it all. Good and bad. It's, it's even hard for me to even say that. Because how do you praise God in those bad moments? You do because you have faith. You're not like the Israelites, the uncircumcised, right? The idea of, of unfaithful. You and I have faith. We have faith. But I had a bad day. I had a bad month. I had a bad week. All these people in my life passed away. Keep going. Be full of the Spirit. Be, be filled. Be filled with Him. And when you think you don't have enough, try, try a little bit more. Try a little bit more and see what happens. Take one more step. See if you can take one more step. I bet you, you can. So now we have Saul. And now verse 59. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Kind of eerily sounds like when, when Jesus says, Father, I commit my spirit to your hands, right? It's kind of a weird, eerie moment there. Verse 60. Falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Man, man that, that's, that's a whole different level, man. People are stoning you. You're saying, don't hold this sin against them. It's a whole different level, man. That's a whole different level. But maybe that's what happens when you're filled with the Spirit. Maybe he understood that that moment was necessary. You know, I don't know. I wasn't there. So as you see, I mean, we went through the whole chapter. And kind of like on first, like your first round, you're like, oh my gosh, really, guy? Like, I almost want to, I, I battled with this because I'm like, I just want to skip the chapter because it's just the story all over again. But then it's, it's not until you kind of read it like, wait, why'd you sneak that line in there? <laughs> or why'd you say it like that? And you're like, oh, man. And then the crescendo of the of the end, it's like, oh, dude, like, you just went for like the jugular right at it, man. Like, it was like a, this nice, like, you know, let's, let's, let's be nice and fluffy. And then all of a sudden, bam, like with a bat, just takes him out, calls, calls him names. Oh, name calling is bad. Well, Stephen did it. So did Jesus. Matthew 23, that's a fun one. You, you go, go read that on your own time. Serpents, white and supp sepulchers. That's, I think that's called name calling. Kindergarten, that's please. What happens? Part of the trip. Part of, part of, part of the trip. All right. So next week, we'll get to chapter eight. Thank you for listening to today's message. 2 Corinthians 9-7 tells us that each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
If this message has been a blessing to you, we ask that you be a cheerful giver to this ministry by going to finallyalive.com forward slash give. We'll meet you again next time as we grow together and learn to be finally alive in Christ.